What's up, Internet? It's Kyle. I'm Stu. And I'm Steph. And together, we are your control panel. Hello, and welcome back to Control Panel. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about how to design plots. I think sometimes people have this thought of players can make their own fun and they can, but I think it's also important for Control to have some sandboxes for them to play in and not so much railroading, but things for them to interact with, perhaps consequences for things that get ignored or just personal plots for NPCs, stuff like that. So there are a lot of different kinds and we'll talk about how to design plots and what are some things you want to keep in mind as you are doing so. Yeah, I think some things that people forget because they haven't played in the sandbox as children for a while is that a sandbox with just sand is boring. That is why you bring toys into the sandbox to make the sandbox fun. This is true. Um, so I mean, you could to- be the type of kid who just like doesn't need any of that, but not all kids are like that, right? And similarly, not all players are the same. And some people benefit from having toys in the sandbox. Yeah. So I think when we talk about plots, there's like, you've got main plots, and then you've got side plots. Although sometimes you just have a lot of side plots, and you you hope that people don't realize that there is a lack of main plot. But I digress. So when you talk about a main plot, that's the major running thread. You'll want to have like one or two of these, maybe a few more if you think you can juggle them. So I'll just talk from my experience running Dust City. We had a main plot, which is the main crux of this is why you are here in this place at this time, which is there was a selection of a new guardian of vampire kind within the city uh so everything that you did all the minor plots would kind of feed into that but at the same time there was a second main plot i guess you would call the hidden plot which is there is a very very evil person who will eat you like a boogeyman for the vampires if you're not careful and he may or may not be coming to the city so you had this surface plot of prove yourself worthy of the position of being ruler slash guardian of this place and the hidden main plot which is you've got to make sure you don't die to this evil bad man but i think it's important also not to just have your main plot because it's not it's not enough and it doesn't feel like a world right and especially i think this plot is just so strongly tied with npcs in my mind but maybe that's because even when i'm reading fiction i especially love character driven plots but it gives your NPCs something to do and it also makes your world feel complex and rich, right? So it's not just like all any character has going on is this vampire selection, right? Like they also have lives and desires and wants and those things are gonna create other troubles for them as happens sometimes. I mean, I think also one thing most if not all of our games have done is have these things feed into one another so the side plots and subplot content actually can feed back to the main sometimes very directly sometimes more indirectly in terms of like you've gained this ally you've gained this resource that sort of thing and i think it's really important to have a variety in subplots because 
people are different. Different kids want to play with different toys in the sandbox. So it's important to kind of create your subplots with different personality types in mind. Like if you've got a lot of players that like to investigate, you need investigation subplots, maybe things to do with creating things or hunting things down. Or even just like fun, silly side plots, like have a particular incident happen and people have to check it out, but it's something funny and strange, or you can have like a very small subplot, like nobody does this and it makes me sad, but all of, all of these like mega games, there's a, always a little subplot about like racing or competition of some kind, which is supposed mm -hmm. to be fun, like a chariot race or like a handsome cab race or something to that that effect nobody plays in the sandbox with the cars and i think that's something that i want to rectify i wish you would do that i think it would be so fun but it's important to have options like that so that there's flexibility and i think that ties back to the other episode we talked about pcs where i talked about the different types of pcs like investigators politicians yes. so you can think about when you're sort of designing your game if you want those kind of plots if you want those kind of pcs making sure those things are there there's also a really kind of prosaic example which was in at least two games we have had characters who could have the power to talk to ghosts if you have characters with the power to talk to ghosts, mm -hmm. you probably want to make sure that there are some ghosts or plotlines involving ghosts for them to talk to. They don't have to get involved, and other people can. You make sure other people can do those plots. They're not locked to that one character, but let them. You know, let the person who's good at something have their sort of moment in the sun. This is made for you, kind of thing. I think that's a really good point to consider. Also, just components when you're conceptualizing plot, and one of the most important of these is entry points. And I think there's two parts of this. And the first one is kind of what we've been talking about, which is why would players want to get involved in this plot in the first place, right? So what makes it interesting? Why do they care about this? And it can be something as small as like, well, I can talk to ghosts and this plot is related to a ghost, right? Or it can be something like, oh, well, you know, there's vampire Satan that's going to come and try to destroy your entire city. So you can have kind of a, a variety of things there. And then the other part of that is also to think, how will they hear about this, right? So if you have this big bad guy who is coming, how are they going to know that this person is on their way? Are they going to hear about it from NPCs? Are they going to read something about it in a newspaper? There's a variety of ways that you can handle this, but you really want to consider that ahead of time and how players are going to get that information. It makes me laugh when you say read it in a newspaper because one of the characters used newspapers as a form of divination. And he, he did that. And the sign he got was basically, he's coming. And the character was like, <laughs> oh my God. I did not know that. That's great. That's delightful. That was a, yeah. that was a fun moment to write. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in terms of plots it's also important to consider that we've talked about this previously in the npc episode but your plots should involve existing npcs you have characters use them please use them and make your plots more fleshed out more filled out it will give them texture and depth it will make people care if it involves like characters they care about because nobody cares if things happen to random 
X or Y, but if it involves their like best friendo for life, suddenly they're super invested. Definitely. I think also as well, the NPC being involved means that if a player is struggling with a plot line, then you as the control have a through line to help them, not tell them what to do, but to give them hints and advice as needed, which is a lovely little tool to have in your, your kind of belt. Definitely. And it can be a difficult balance sometimes when you're sitting there like, there's an obvious solution to this problem. Why won't you just take it? But you don't want to hand them the answer. So it's it's tough sometimes to have that knowledge and to not just make it really easy for people because at the end of the day, you know, it's the it's the player's game. You're helping them to have a good time. It's it's not just all about, you know, oh, your plots went well and got solved in the right particular way. And I think plot should be open-ended. Plot shouldn't be closed, is my opinion. There should be multiple ways to skin the cat, so to speak. Yeah, that brings us to like, endpoints. So like Kyle says, there should be multiple ways to resolve the plot line. And players may absolutely come up with ones that you never imagined for a second. And that's wonderful. But one thing I really strongly advise when you write things is... Think about what the most likely solutions are, what are the ones that you can think of, and just write them down and kind of account for them. Don't say, here's a problem, wonder how they'll solve it. Just think, like, think, how would I solve it? And like, write those options down. And they may still completely surprise you with something that is brilliant and intelligent, or with something that is neither of those things. But if you've taken the time to kind of write down the logical or even the less logical solutions to be honest with you nine times out of ten people will gravitate to one of those solutions and if you've already planned for that in advance then you've hopefully made that an interesting and worthy choice that's kind of built into your plot design Stu says this i disagree he does this and then people do things that are outside like come on think about the ending of afterlife you wrote out how many potential endings and we didn't go for any of them sorry That is true. Afterlife's ending was an extreme example. Since then, my smaller plot lines, I don't think anyone has really thrown me for a loop, though. Well, I think that's down to individual style. So Stu's very good at, like, advanced prep. I am not. I'm the kind of, like, I think GM slash control that very much just reads things as they come to me. Like, Stu knows this, Steph knows this. I tend to adjust plot lines kind of on the fly, depending on how individual players are reacting to certain storyline, I will adjust the tone and characterization and like things accordingly based on the push and pull of it. But then that's because I find myself to be a stronger improvisational player slash control. And I think it's just a matter of finding what style works for you. Some people work better with a lot of advanced preparation and some like me, you just kind of, you need the really basic sketches, um, the foundation, and then you just see from there. So my advice is just find the plot style that works for you. Have a base, but you can't necessarily assume what's going to happen. You can try, but do what works for you. It reminds me a lot of the distinction between, what do they call them? Discovery writers versus, I can't remember what the other thing they called them, like planners or something. The idea is when when people are writing, so novelists, people who plan out everything in a lot of detail in advance and people who just kind of do it on the fly. But I think that in reality, people aren't incredibly strongly one way or the other, right? And I don't think either is very useful. Like you shouldn't go into it with absolutely no planning at all. 
On the other hand, you probably shouldn't go into it so scripted that it just feels like you're railroading your players, but find a balance that's good for you for both, right? So do some planning, figure out what it's helpful for you to have ahead of time. But then I do think it's important to not be so rigid with what you had planned that you're not willing to account for cool player ideas or ways that people reacted that were really surprising or different to you. Absolutely. I think Kyle does more planning in advance than she gives herself credit for, to be honest. And yeah. I don't want people to assume that I'm some kind of rigid, you must do things the way as I've planned. Players can improvise, they can do it different ways, I'll adapt. But I stand by it, nine times out of ten, I've kind of predicted not the exact thing you'll take, but the general approach. Again, after life's finale, there'll be a bit of a few loops, not going to lie. But most of the time, like people do relatively predictable things. But I think it helps to have some of these endpoints in mind, especially for your overall game, because you can kind of think of like, what's going to happen as we go along, right? So like, for example, in God's Wars, the, the whole setup there is, okay, players are competing to ascend to godhood at the end. So what are your choices? Well, you ascend to godhood, you don't, right? Those are kind of the endings. We didn't want to make it like a big apocalyptic ending. And then you know, most players did that. One player almost, almost went through a portal to another world, which was, you know, not something that we expected. Also not something that sort of, you know, derailed everything that we were thinking about. But it also helps to think about like, all right, well, we need to have something for players who aren't going to become gods. So what can we do for them at the ending? So it feels good still, you know, that they feel like, hey, this is a, a good ending. I feel like my story came to a close or was, was satisfying. And also with ascending to godhood you know we had players throughout kind of figure out well what does this mean a lot of them were deeply suspicious of whether or not they would actually get godly powers or not and being able to know what they'd be looking for helped to kind of plan all right i've got to write some lore because they're going to want answers to these questions just think about that player who could have gone through a stargate to another world and i'm still so so sad <laughs> Yep, I remember that. You were you were very upset. I think it's also important, besides having like full plots, to also have set pieces built into the setting that people can toy around with. Locations are great for that. Give people different locations and they'll come up with stuff. For example, at some point in God's Wars, I wanted to do something impactful. So I created my own plot with another player, which was, let's rob the Bank of England. Because we it literally put the Bank of England on the location list because we thought someone would want to rob it. We had that discussion. Yeah, we had. See, these that's why you got you got to be people. Opportunity, yeah. but it wasn't me. Oh no, it, it was me that it started was it. You. And I did work with a thief character, but I was like, "This is mine." <laughs> it, it worked. Very fun. Mm -hmm. Give people things to play with. I think another thing that helps when you're thinking about conceptualizing your plot as well is your timeline for it. So mostly, you know, when are these entry points going to kick off? So if players, or sorry, if you're having NPCs give out information, or if you're having a news story, or something like that, when do you want that to happen? Now, I think, you know, a lot of the times, they're not going to stick exactly to schedule, because you might notice like, all right, we had five plots planned to kick off this week, but some player did something crazy. And now everyone's involved in that or well, we didn't have any, 
you know, anything scheduled for this week, but people are bored. So let's throw some stuff in there. So you can definitely play around with that timeline, but it, it really does help. Like I have an Excel file that has the list of my plots and what's happening each week on them. And it's super helpful to look at like, oh, well, we've scheduled every plot to kick off week one. So the second half of the game, we have nothing. All right, let's push some of those things back. Or, you know, here's some stuff that's that's missing. But again, that doesn't mean you can't mess with it, but it does give you a sense of what are you missing? What could use more development? How are players going to get involved in stuff that you have planned? Uh, when it comes to your plot line, and Steph mentioned just then sort of making Excel spreadsheets for when plot lines would happen, but you also need to write down your notes on them in a way that works for you. So these could just be some scribbled notes on a Word document or a Google Doc, that's fine. You might have like a more detailed uh, breakdown. Famously for Dusk City and God's War, I made these kind of spider diagram web mind map things, which list which had like different options players could take that would sort of take them here and here and here, just to help me think of the plot in non-linear terms. Just again, I think this is very much an individual thing, but it is useful to sort of write down your thoughts somewhere in some way for me when i was designing god's wars one of the things that we had was different aspects that represented different things that gods cared about and things that players could get points in and one of the things that we cared about was having plots that were related to the different aspects we didn't want to have you know, we, at one point we had like six planned murder plots or, you know, investigative plots or something like that. And so we had to kind of spread those out a little bit more. And one thing that was really helpful, one of my other control recommended making sort of a mind map as well that had sort of, all right, these plots, I kind of color coded them based on what God they were related to or what aspect they were related to, what control had them just to kind of figure out where were we missing aspects. And it, I hated it because I'm not a super visual person like that, but it was actually incredibly helpful. And, and I'm glad that I did that in the end because it was a really nice sort of visual to see, oh, we have so many plots related to you know this one aspect or for these control, and we're really missing a lot over here and sort of helped us design what else we were missing to fill in those gaps. Honestly, Excel is going to be your best friend if you design games. Yeah. Excel is so helpful for everything, for every aspect. It really is, yeah. I think another thing I might say is, and this is not going to apply to a lot of plot lines, but sometimes you can do pre-writing. So during a mega game, you have a lot to do on a weekend if you're writing a faction resolutions and responding to what players have done. If you've done some bits of writing before the game started, that's just going to make your life a lot easier. And I'm thinking about this in relation to probably one of the most fun and experimental plots I've ever done, which was in God's War, where we had a one week only murder mystery, which really kind of slightly changed the rules and how action resolution normally worked, where players were actually given, well, I attempted to give them all the kind of clues to solve the mystery and they would get the deadline to solve it by. And I've made it so that if I didn't succeed, an NPC would come and do the kind of Sherlock Holmes, Poirot, Miss Marple, swoop in and explain it all. But if one of them and only one of them got it, they would get to be like that know-it-all detective at the end, explaining everything. And yeah, that was just a really weird, fun, experimental plotline, which I just don't think we've ever done anything quite like it before. So don't be afraid to get weird and experimental. And yeah, if you can 
do bits of writing in advance, do it. But again, that was a very particularly like weird example where I could write all the clues in advance and kind of needed to, because that kind of had to be play tested. And I still made a mistake, which uh, annoys me to this day. But obviously that's not saying write everything in advance. You don't want to just determine what happens and players have no say in matters. Yeah, the only other example I can think of is similar in that I designed this puzzle for God's Wars where people got different pieces of it in character through emails. And then the sort of final was during action resolutions where they got the puzzle, they had a certain amount of time to solve it and got back to me. So the same sort of weird interactive action resolutions that we don't usually do. And I designed the puzzle in advance because it takes a while to do those. I designed the clues in advance, same thing. They needed to be play tested, but I didn't do this. And I wish that I had sort of describe, you know, the, at the end of this location, people sort of go down into this dark chamber beneath, I completely forget what this is, Trafalgar Square and go and meet up with the Sphinx who gives them the puzzle. And I was like, oh, I definitely could have written this in advance. And I wish that I did because that sort of thing was the same for all of the players, right? They had the same sort of entry into this place, interacted with the Sphinx. And then based on sort of their role and whether they solved the puzzle and things like that, that was something that was then different. And I wrote fresh for each player, but it's really nice to have some stuff that you can have done ahead of time, pre-written. I suppose the argument against that is players may not engage with a plot line that you've pre-written, and that would be a shame. But I just feel like you can kind of predict if a plot line sounds really interesting, that players will get involved in it, particularly if it's one that is tailored to like to, to their interests. So like I felt pretty secure in running a murder mystery in the first week of uh, God's War because we had at least two characters who were kind of dedicated investigators. And guess, get, guess which two characters were among the three that turned up for that plot line. Like, I didn't force them to be there, but they were there because, of course, they were. They were the detectives. And you can also, if you have plots that are being ignored but are probably important, or you, I don't want to say you'd like players to engage with them because, you know, again, we don't want to force players to do stuff they're not interested in. But if it's kind of a major plot or, or something that shouldn't be ignored, you can have NPCs, when they're involved, give them clues or be like, hey, did did you notice this? Or, oh man, you said you were going to do this thing. Did you do that thing yet? And mention that as a way to sort of get them a little bit more involved. I guess you also have something which I called crises in Afterlife. And this is one to be really wary of. This is quite a double-edged sort of tool. And this is basically a plot line that can't be ignored. If you ignore a crisis, it gets worse, just like in real life. So these are things like there is a major issue and if no one solves it, there will be consequences. And they're a tool to be used lightly because, you know, people don't like consequences. You don't want to force people to engage with plot lines that they don't personally have an interest in. But it can also be quite good at making the world feel real. Like, oh no, nobody solved this problem. Now everyone is hurt because no one solved this problem. But you have to be really careful, especially if it's a very large overarching problem. Just off the top of my head, I'm thinking afterlife there was an the economic crisis yeah the economy was the crisis but unfortunately because of some actions that were and weren't taken this was such a big thing that it impacted everyone in the game i think in quite a negative way like we all had less money to spend and it was hard for us to solve actually my character was so poor i got more money yeah economic bailout but um yep. yeah I think that's what you have to be really wary. That's one where I think 
I, I don't know how successful it was as a plot because it was such a large thing that would have required so much to solve. And the solutions that were put forward for it were not necessarily ideal. But again, I come at this from the player side. What I saw was this is frustrating. I don't want to talk too much about that particular example for a lot of reasons, but I will say that that plot line was exacerbated by player action. Like it got worse because players kept actively making it worse. It wasn't just that they ignored it. It was the steps they took kept making it worse. But I do think in many ways that was not my best work and a flawed kind of uh, example of this. One of the main reasons I'm saying like, do be careful with it. I do think it is a tool like to have in the belt, but it is a very dangerous one. Don't use it too often. Think about it carefully because yeah, it, it's going to potentially annoy players, but maybe sometimes, sometimes, it's okay to annoy players. Maybe sometimes if it's a gentle annoyance, it's the right thing to to do and say sometimes. All the caveats. I think another example, and this was not planned, was in God's Wars when a group of players decided that they wanted to vandalize Buckingham Palace. Oh my and God. we had a control meeting where we're like, they can't just do this and have no consequences. But on the other hand, we can't say, well, let's just, you know, execute a bunch of players who did this because that's not fun. That's not fair. And so we, you know, decided we're going to have this sort of global consequence for players. I think we, I, I can't remember exactly what we did, but we had a global consequence for players and we had a sort of thematic consequence as well of, you know, you have a curfew. So if you're out after dark, it's going to be harder to get some actions done. And it was something that they could use uh, thematically, but also they had this consequence and everyone experienced it. And in this case, players did sort of back down after that and say, oh, I think some of them were surprised about having consequences, but also just realizing, all right, this is bad. Let's, let's not, let's repair this stuff that we've done and not make it worse. And so it eventually sort of faded back to normal, but I think it's important to also have player actions matter because it doesn't feel real if players can do ridiculous stuff and not be punished or on the other hand do really cool stuff and not get rewarded for it my solution to this was not to have a plot be an intangible thing like the economy or crime my plot was a tangible thing like this is an evil wizard man that will eat you and that that was enough i think to bring some people together because when you're dealing my experience if you're when you're dealing with something intangible it's it's difficult to conceptualize a solution like obviously we had tangible evil wizard but because you're in a city and my background is urban planning i also had the intangible specters of poverty job loss you know things like that that people try to solve and and don't do this to yourself because it culminated in several town hall meetings and I spent a few weeks resolving actions that were, I give this very long and detailed presentation at the town hall. And I was like, oh my God, what have I done to myself? And having to really seriously review people's like short and long-term plans of actions for a whole city. <laughs> so my, my suggestion is please make your plots revolve around tangible, solvable things that you can solve in eight weeks or less. Because things like the economy or poverty and stuff like that, that's not, there's no quick fix. There's no easy solution. It's hard. I'm not going to sit here and defend the economy plotline from Afterlife, though I will say it was a little bit more unusual as economy plotlines go, considering it was kind of, this is your true. money was sort of 
sort of made for people. I'm not going to get into it in too much detail, but yeah. It was a little no, bit I... more complicated than sort of, well, Kyle's game set in, you know, the modern world plus vampires. Stu's game was not. No. Yeah. But I'm not yeah that's just my advice. Out. If you're making plots, try... try... Obviously, you're going to be dealing with strange concepts like we dealt with vampires and the afterlife and gods and mortals and things. But I think it's more have a tangible, not necessarily end goal, but end time. This is something you can wrap up within the eight weeks. That's my advice. Or if, at the very least, you can see some tangible progress within the eight weeks. Eight weeks is not enough to solve a, a job crisis. What's it? You need to make smart goals. Like <laughs> that, that, that's smart an class. acronym. That's an acronym for something. Yes, it's, you need to make uh, specific. Oh my god, what does P stand for? Specific. I, I've googled it now. Specific, measurable. measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based goals. So you should make specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based plots. That's great. Oh, this is an excellent point that I did not consider. I love this. I think also links to a very quick point, which is with your plots as well, think about some of them being kind of quite short, one and done things. Like the murder mystery, one and done. Could not be longer than one week. Even if you wanted it to be, it couldn't be. Whereas your main plot is something that kind of has to run the length of the game if you have one, that kind of thing. So I guess that's measurable, yeah. possibly. Or is it the T? What does the T stand for again? Time-based? Time-based. Ooh, actually, Time it's based. probably more yeah. the T than the M then, yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So you, it has to be a real... I'm just reading this off Wikipedia. I've not memorized <laughs> this for people who can't see me. Set a realistic, ambitious end date for task prioritization and motivation. So yeah, you need to think realistically, can it be done within the eight weeks? Or can you see like an attainable landmark progress? Can you get somewhere within the eight weeks? And then measurable kit, is it the kind of progress you can see? We tend to measure progress in terms of, depending on the game, projects. Like you can see a measurable project status or in the attainment of things like assets or points. So make sure that people can really see a tangible reward for actions taken in place. I think that's really important. So that was uh, plots and things to think about and ways to kind of design them if you are making a play by email, email mini game. Thank you very much for listening. We have been your control panel. And have a lovely week. I love Michael. Hopefully we can fix that in editing.